You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome into the Otts and Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Prem, Eric Scopel, Jared Mack on this podcast edition of the Otts and Audibles. Um, it's Monday. The portal has closed per se. Uh, schools have 48 hours to enter their names uh, of players who have asked to be entered into the portal. Um, so portal's deadline to enter was April 30th. So today's May second or May first. We could see some names trickle in as late as uh, Tuesday night, May second, late into the evening, um, as players hit the portal. So uh, we're tracking guys that have left. We're going to talk a little bit about how that impacts Oregon's roster. Oregon's gotten below the eighty-five scholarship limit, and they now somehow have found a way to have room to add a couple guys. And that number could get bigger if a couple players decide to enter the portal uh, over the weekend following the spring game, which wouldn't be a shock to, I don't think, any three of us that if one or two guys decide, hey, this isn't it, this isn't working, I'm, I'm going to go somewhere else. Um, but in the last two weeks, we've seen uh, an influx of guys hit the portal. Cornerback uh, Darren Barkins, defensive lineman Sir Mills, cornerback Devontae Dickerson, Linebacker Harrison Taggart, edge players Anthony Jones and Trevin Mai, um, safety Trajan Williams, cornerback Jaleel Tucker, and linebacker Keith Brown. Some of these guys we've talked about already on the show. Um, some of them we haven't talked about because they were very late um, entries just before the spring game. Um, some of them surprising, some of them not so much surprising. I, I think... It is notable, guys, that they all come on the defensive side of the football. And it's kind of indicative of, like, what's the one of the first things Dan Lanning said when spring ball started? That offensively, they didn't have as much depth as they did defensively. There were a lot of guys there. And I think Jared had said, like, if portal guys are going to, are going to hit, it's probably going to be on the defensive side of the football because there were a lot of guys stacked at all these positions. Uh, the three levels of the defense, and that's where we saw it play out. Yeah, there were some pretty clear trends in terms of the outgoing players. Um, a, as Matt just outlined, all defensive players. We talked We talked about it certainly going into spring. There was a surplus of players at certain positions. I thought there were a couple too many corners on the roster, certainly plenty of defensive linemen. Interesting to see to see a linebacker leave. I guess that's a position group where you think, okay, they're, they're now down to six scholarship players. The, the, the player itself, I think, with with Taggart and, and Brown made some sense. Um, we talked about Brown before, so I won't relitigate that one. Um, and but the other thing is that these are for the most part first or second year players. Like these are guys that are really early on in their career. And I've, I've made this point a couple times on the board, and I think even on this podcast, but. You know, when Mario Cristobal here was here, he talked so much about it being a, a developmental sport. And I'm sure Dan Landing has said that himself before. I just think the idea of it being a developmental sport has shifted a little bit where there's not quite as much patience and you're not allowed to have as much patience as you used to have in other years. So I just, you know, the, the days of August Cumberland or Bryson Young kind of guy sitting and waiting for three to four years uh, and then kind of being thrust into both those guys were starters by like their fifth year in the program. That's just a thing I don't know if we're going to see very often. Um, and I think what will happen is if there is a guy who's a quote-unquote and under-the-radar developmental guy, 
is Oregon will allow that player to develop at a smaller school um, and then swoop in, add them towards the end of their career, and then they can have that kind of last, you know, end of the career buzz through that sort of a route. So unfortunately, a guy who's maybe a developmental player, like a Sir Mel's and or a Darren Barkins, those are guys who are brought in as like kind of higher ceiling, younger prospects of like, okay, maybe this will work down the line at some point. Well, you got a couple years into it in Barkins' case, one year into it in Mel's case, and you just kind of decided it maybe we're not trending in the direction we thought we could be. And at that point, you cut bait and you just kind of go from there. And that's unfortunately the the way the the rules have kind of set you up here. And I say unfortunate because I did think there was there was something to having four to five years of of developing a guy and, and suddenly he's able to make contributions. I don't think we'll see that very often anymore. That's that's kind of a bummer. At the same time, uh, the way Oregon is going to re- and we'll talk about this in the back half of the show, the scholarships that they'll be you know using to replace these players are going to go to players that are far more uh, capable of impacting things right now. And that is the goal: is to get as many contributors as possible. Matt talks about the depth issues. He basically cleared out you know, close to 10 defensive players who probably weren't going to provide a ton of depth. A couple of them here could have, you know, Trevor Mai and, and Keith Brown are guys who've at least proven they could kind of contribute in some capacity. But for the most part, these weren't guys who were going to contribute. And I think what we'll see when we get in the back half here is the targets are going to be looking at mostly offensive players who can help you right now, because I think clearly that's the areas where, where the staff feels they need the most help. And that's the nice thing about the transfer portal. You don't need to wait for guys to sit around for four and five years and maybe become a contributor. If they're clearly not a contributor for the first couple of seasons, like Eric said, you can cut bait. And yeah, there's probably we probably live no longer in the era of a guy who's going to wait around for his fourth or fifth year to become an impact contributor. That's fine. I, I don't see that as a problem. I see that as a really good thing because then teams can just move around and, and go about and try to continue to be good for as long as they possibly can. Uh, it certainly is going to help a team that uh, does well on the field and has good facilities off of it and has a, um, you know, like a booster supporter group that helps the program. Uh, and, you know, luckily we're here and we're talking about Oregon, who happens to have all of those things. And that's exactly what Dan Lanning has done at the helm here. He has taken guys who are not contributors in their third or heading into their fourth season or maybe even in their fifth season and said, we can get better. And they've done that. We saw that on Saturday in the spring game. They looked significantly better on the defensive side of the ball. All these guys who left, even though there was a, a big fuss about Sir Mel's leaving, about Keith Brown leaving, um, Oregon's going to be just fine. And they're going to get players who are, are better in their positions and can develop those guys even further and become more of an impact player than than those players who left. But uh, again, I think that that this is, this is going to be water under the bridge for Oregon heading into this season. They're going to get guys who are going to be immediate impact players. Um, I mean, I kind of look at it like, you know, you lose Avante Dickerson and bring in Kyrie Jackson. You lose Keith Brown and you bring in Justin Jacobs. You lose, you know, the list goes on and on. You lose Trajan Williams, you bring in Evan Williams. Uh, Williams for Williams swap. So, it's good. It's not. I don't think it's a bad thing. I know that it's not traditional to the college football rules that we've had in place for the last 30 or 40 years, but I think it's going to be fine. And I think the coaches that stay on top of this and continue to cycle out their roster, a la Deion Sanders, even though it's not in the prettiest of manners, those guys are going to be the ones that stay on top. And for everybody complaining about how many people uh, you know, Colorado has brought in, which is in like near the 70s now, or it might be over 70 now, Oregon's doing pretty much the same thing. They're coming in. They're by the end of this, they're going to add like fifty something. They're going to add almost fifty players to their roster compared to where it was last season. So, I think it's good. I think it's fine for Oregon. I think that it'll all turn out a, a pretty good eventually. 
Another addition to the portal today. Um, Who we got? Walk on. It's Cole Young. Oh, no. No. Offensive lineman. That's a shame. I just after, Jared Jared brought up the fact that you know Oregon's going to have a lot of guys enter the portal. You know, it's up there, not at Colorado level, but it's up there. I'm just like, oh, I'm gonna curious. I'm gonna check, look at it, see what the number is real quick. And uh, Cole Young, top of the list. Um, but yeah, I mean, Jared's right. Like the teams that adapt to today's modern era of college football will be the ones that survive, and the ones that think that you can just hit the hit the high school ranks, hit the JUCO ranks, the traditional way of recruiting and the traditional way of managing a roster, you are going to die in today's day and age of college football because you won't be able to bring in enough trans you won't be able to bring enough instant impact players through high school and JUCO ranks to make up for the Keith Brown that transfers that's that was expected to play. And if you plug in a freshman, you, that guy better be a, a five star bona fide dude and you're just not going to sign all of them. And I, I think the schools that are going to be successful in today's era of football is, to Eric's point, still developing talent, still finding talent that can play and, and have significant roles within a year or two of the system and developing those guys and then filling the back end when a guy does transfer, going out and finding a proven player that's got one or two years of college eligibility. And sometimes you're going to get a guy with more than that. But you know, you know, filling in these these roles with guys that have college experience, so your depth doesn't ever really take any kind of a big hit. And I think to both of your guys' points, that's what Oregon's going to do in the portal with these players. Like Trajan John, Trey John Williams wasn't going to play a lot this season, even as a redshirt freshman. Um, I don't think Harrison Taggart was going to play a lot. Sir Mills wasn't going to play a lot. And now you can go and find a guy. And you can add add a player or two that has one or two years of experience. And if it's a starter, awesome, terrific. But maybe you go out and you find that senior that wants that that's been a really good player at the FCS level or a group of five level on a really bad team. That's I just want to play big boy football and I want to be on the field in some capacity. It doesn't, you know, I'd like to start, but it's not a requirement. And I just want to win. I want to experience winning. And you're going to find those. There's a lot of good players that are in those roles in the portal. And I think that's probably what Oregon's going to you know, load up with and what other teams are going to load up with if, if they can't find starter guys uh, to, to fill roles. I just had one thought on prep recruiting before we move on to um, some of the possible – we talk about Casey Kelly, who they've added, and some possible additions. Um, I think you're looking at, at prep recruiting more as – and I guess it's kind of always been this way, but even more as just bites at the apple. Um, you're taking 25, 26, whatever it is, shots of hopefully finding somebody who can be, um, you know, a long-term fit, you know. And I think you feel like if you sign 25 guys and five of them are, are players who spend their entire careers at Oregon, whether that be three, four, five years, that's a win. Like uh, uh, that kind of a hit rate is kind of what you're looking at. And you figure probably the other 20 guys aren't going to spend their entire career. I know that sounds crazy and maybe that number is a little bit too stark, but I think that's kind of the sort of numbers we're going to start seeing here. Um, over time of like, maybe it's five, maybe it's 10, maybe it's 12, maybe you get a class or you get half the guys. But for the most part, you're just looking at this of like, we're going to bring these guys in. We're going to get, we're going to get a shot and see how they look. And unlike previous years where the thought was, Hey, okay, year one, we've got a plan. You got a five-year plan for a player. You're going to have basically a one-year plan. You're going to check in at the end of that one year and say, have they reached the barometer of where we want them to be? Are we seeing the progress? Are we encouraged? And if the answer is yes, you kind of keep them along. And if the answer is no, 
they're going to try to find a new place to play. And I just think you have to recognize that as a fan base of, I know that the, the really exciting days of the year are December, uh, whatever it is, every year it changes, December 15th, 16th, and, and then the first uh, you know Wednesday of February. Those are exciting days. That's when the players are brought in. But you're going to have to kind of realize that a lot of the names you're seeing on those lists that you're excited about, the guys who filmed, you know, you watch that we talk about on these podcasts, a lot of those guys just aren't going to be here very long. And so, um, you know, I, I, we probably have said some kind of, I probably said this spiel at some point in previous podcasts. I'm sure I have. But I just think you you have to kind of manage expectations if you're a fan and you're and you're disappointed when a kid like a Sir Mel's or an Anthony Jones or some of these kids that were just one year at Oregon before leaving, and, and in some cases not even a full year because they came in in the summer and and, and then left in spring, um, that that this is just going to be part of the reality of what it is, and it's absolutely not a bad thing. That this is as we've just established already, it's a it's a change from what it was previously. But the ultimate reality is, is this is going to be a better thing for Oregon because, as we said, those outgoing scholarships are going to be turned into scholarships for players that can become immediate contributors rather than having, you know, a couple of, uh, a couple of handfuls of, of scholarships you're using basically on players you know you're not going to use um, for the long term. All right. Now, all the defections or transfer portal departures – um, it got Oregon's scholarship numbers down to 81 going into, I think, Friday, Friday afternoon, thereabouts. And the Ducks brought in uh, a, a transfer portal target this past week, Casey Kelly, a tight end from Ole Miss. Um, this is a player who, on the scholarship chart, he committed to Oregon, first and foremost, add there to the tight end spot, gives Oregon four total tight ends now on the roster. Um, fills a role, uh, I think, that Maliki Medavau and Cam McCormick had this past season, more of you know a bigger-bodied guy that, that's a blocker. Um, gives them four tight ends on the roster. Maybe they go after more. Um, but what are our thoughts here uh, on this guy? He's played a lot of football the last couple of seasons. Um, Production-wise, maybe it's – Solid. I don't know if it's anything that you're like, wow, this is an amazing tight end, though. Yeah. Um, it's not totally fair, and I'll explain why in a second, but this is almost like a Patrick Herbert, Justin Herbert, you know, Chad Kelly, Casey Kelly thing here, where you've got the younger brother who's a tight end from the Jared. I'm just I'm just saying who then goes this out. This is a poor come on. Well, uh, Swag Kelly and Justin Herbert. <laughs> Well, I'm not comparing them as players at all. I'm just pl- comparing them in terms of the, the the way that the expectations might have been in terms of you've got this quarterback who was very successful. I know Chad Kelly wasn't Chase or uh, Justin Herbert. No one's saying that. But, you know, he was a fairly appreciated player at Ole Miss for a, a period of time. His younger brother comes in as a tight end, same position as Patrick. And then he's got a couple of years where, hey, it's not injuries for Casey like it was for Patrick, but just isn't a, a, ultimately that much of a producer. Um, started six games in 2021, played a decent amount last year. Not a pass catcher, really, or at least not a particularly prolific one. Um, 28 catches over the course of three seasons. Again, I'm not comparing the player. I'm just comparing – it's just a little bit of a striking of uh, something that kind of stood out to me. If you're, if you're telling me that's completely idiotic and, and shouldn't even have been brought up on a podcast, I apologize. My point is just that there are some slight similarities in terms of you know, you've got just 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 from Chad and, and and Casey to Justin and Patrick in terms of the position and the and kind of maybe the perception when those players entered and how it's it's how it's played out. That's all I'm saying. Um, I, I'll be curious on the fit here. Um, 
63255 uh to to Matt's point that's a that's a big body there uh, it's a little more of a condensed body not quite as tall as some of the guys Oregon's had uh does appear he's had more success as a blocker if you go ahead and just kind of look through what he's done um and I guess Oregon really needed a player here and I don't know if they needed a particularly we talked about this before prolific receiving pass catching tight end assuming Terrence Ferguson is healthy you've got that player so uh, it made sense to obviously add a player. We've talked about this for a long time. Um, and this is a player that makes sense, an experienced college football player, a player who, all, by the way, probably isn't going to eat up your books for very long. You know, maybe just the one year could be, I think, could be two if he chose to use an extra COVID year. Um, but regardless, like, makes some sense. Don't think he's going to be somebody who's going to be a massive contributor, but also think, like, there's a ton of value in adding a, an extra tight end here, given the fact that on Saturday we saw a ton of Landon Shepard and Travis Brashears. Yeah, I mean, this is something I've been banging on the door about for months. Uh, the one thing, Eric, I would say is that Casey Kelly was a walk-on quarterback prospect at Ole Miss before being given a, a, a scholarship in 2022. Fair. A little different than Herbert, who was like a, a nationally ranked recruit. Um, but yeah, Casey Kelly, this is just the, what you want. You just need more bodies out there. Like Eric finished off with saying, like Landon Shepard and Travis Brashear is two walk-on tight ends getting a majority of the second half snaps because you don't want your your lone two scholarship tight ends who are still healthy to get hurt. Um, not, not great, not great on the whole depth aspect of the football team. Uh, they're now up to four scholarships, like Matt said, or four scholarship tight ends, like Matt said. Uh, I mean, I think that they need one more. They have very limited spots now. They're up to 82 scholarships used, so they only have three left. I think using it on another tight end might be a little a little too much, a little advantageous on, on my end here. But uh, I, I think Casey's going to give you what Patrick Herbert gave you last season, which is some good in-line tight end blocking. Uh, he's a big boy. And uh, maybe every once in a while he'll catch a football um, because traditionally in this offense, it's going to be Terrence Ferguson and Kenyon Sadiq who are going to be the ones catching the football. Uh, Patrick Herbert looked fine at the spring game. He's still going to be an inline blocker, I think, more more often than not. Um, I just think that Terrence Ferguson and Pat, Kenyon Sadiq are just significantly better pass catchers and athletes than, than Patrick Herbert is. But I think Casey Kelly's going to give you that same idea where they're going to be a traditional blocker and then every once in a while they're going to sneak out for a pass. Um, I will say that, you know, in his 2021 season, Casey Kelly had 15 receptions for 170 yards in five games. Uh, that's better than not. I will say uh, he's definitely not going to be, you know, lining up out wide in the scheme, but uh, I think he's going to be a contributor and he's swag Kelly's younger brother. So that's, you know, the important part of all of this. And the important one here is he was listed as a red shirt junior during the 2022 season, but because of COVID and because he redshirted during the 2019 season, um, I think technically he has two years of eligibility if mm. Oregon wants him to use it or if he wants to use the two years of eligibility. So this is a guy that they're adding that could be on the roster beyond just one season with the Oregon Ducks. Uh, ultimately, it'll, it'll be curious to see what he, he decides to do um, after that after the 2023 season when he's got one year left. Um, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about maybe some ads here uh, that Oregon should be looking for from a positional standpoint, also some names to know that we know Oregon's involved with, uh, and more coming up here on the Odds and Audibles podcast. 
eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. All right, welcome back to the Yachts Anonymous podcast. Um, as we said before the break, we're going to talk some portal targets now. Uh, there's no deadline to add these guys. Um they basically have to be here before fall camp opens, which is usually the first week in August. Ideally, you'd like them here in June um, when summer school starts. Uh, but there's no real deadline here, unlike the portal entry deadline, to put your name in. Um, these guys can decide whenever they want. Uh, they've got three spots open, like Jared said. And there's some spots that, that are a little thin here. And this is where the roster is going to need to – take some really massaging by Dan and Malco and the rest of the staff for the ducks, because they've got nine scholarship receivers. Um, but they've got a couple guys that are banked up. Josh Delgado's in a walking boot. Um, didn't really do anything during spring ball. What can you count on with, with Justin Lowe and Kyle Casper guys who haven't played much. Jerion Dickey hasn't gotten into school yet. Um, we'll see what, you know, we'll see what they've got when he shows up in June. Um, so you've really only got like three or four established guys at that position. Do you go out and find one or two more? Like Jared said at tight end, he thinks they need another one, but they've only got three open spots right now. And, you know, is it better served to go find some interior offensive linemen? You've got a lot of tackles, but you don't have a lot of interior offensive linemen. Um, the list can go on and on. Uh, do you guys feel like, I guess maybe Jared excluding tight end? Cause I think that would be your answer. Um, do we feel like there's one position where that's like they definitely need to go add a guy at this spot just because the depth and the talent isn't there? Um, I mean, the depth part is fine at receiver in terms of the number of players you have. The part, question is, do you have good enough players there? <laughs> which is which is ultimately the the problem you have. To, and I think it's pretty clear Oregon's going to be active at receiver just based upon kind of what we know about who they've contacted. Um, Gary Bryant Jr. has been a name for a while. Um, I guess we don't know for sure if Zakari Franklin, unless someone can correct me if they've seen confirmation on this, has been contacted by Oregon. But obviously he and Will Stein have a history. Caleb Burton, a receiver from Ohio State. I'm just running through some names here. 
there's like three or four receiver names, which is my my point that like makes sense to end up at Oregon. Um, but it's also I like Bo Nix was asked like straight up after the spring game of like, what's your pitch to uh, prospective transfer portal ride receivers? You've already obviously added the two and, and Tez and Treshawn. And he said, I think we can win a ton of games with what we've got right now. And I kind of tend to agree with him, which is why like receiver, not that I wouldn't say, hey, going and adding Zakari Franklin, who we can talk about later, some of the names and like why he's really freaking impressive. Like, of course, I always would have signed up on that. But if you would just told me I like face value, does like Oregon need receiver in the portal? I would say like, oh, they've got four guys right now. And you probably hope between Jurian Dickey, Justice Slow, Ashton Cozart and Kyler Casper and, and don't forget Josh Delgado that like that there's like two of those guys who are serviceable and that gets you to six which in which case I think you're fine but I it seems like they are going to be active there so like I guess that's my answer is receiver seems like the position although like I would have told you like I'd be kind of content with what they're at but again if you can add some of these players who are out here who are very very capable and, and could completely change some things for you then I think you'd be silly not to pursue it. I agree. Um, I think receiver is one of those positions, especially with Franklin being out there on the open market. Yeah, I mean, Oregon's wide receiver depth is fine, but why be fine when you could be really good or great? Um, go yep. get Gary Bryant Jr. and Franklin. I, I don't see why not. Um, there were, you know, not that this is how the season's going to look, but there were a lot of drop passes in, in the spring mm -hmm. game. Uh, Trishan Holden had a few of them. Uh, I don't think that that's going to be a, a, a microcosm of what the season is going to be, but I, I think that you know, a guy like Franklin who doesn't necessarily have like a, you know, he's, I think he's an X or a Z receiver and they've already, I have Troy Franklin and Trayshawn Holden. This is a guy that you just take and you figure it out. You don't really care about it. Gary Brent Jr. is going to be a slot receiver. You take him and put him in the slot. But for Franklin, like that's full go. I think Oregon's in a great hand here, especially having Will Stein as their offensive coordinator at UTSA last season and Oregon this year. Um, uh, as far as other positions, I could see some offensive line depth might help. Um, yep. Just, it, but that's I think that's more of a a coach's decision, just how they feel about the team in general. Um, whether or not Marcus Harper's injury is going to be a long procedure, uh, where Junior Agalau stands in his recovery, um, I think that's going to be more of a coach's decision. Obviously, tight end is going to be one of my answers, just because. Yeah. Again, you're still relying on Patrick Herbert, who's been injury prone, and you're relying on Kenyon Sadiq, who's a true freshman at six foot three, two hundred and twenty, two hundred and thirty pounds. Um, you know, those are those are some question marks going into the season. And Ter Terrence Ferguson is currently hurt, so it's three of your scholarship tight ends that you're going to have a potential problem with. Um, I, other than that, I feel like the defensive side of the ball. Obviously, they came into the spring camp with more scholarship players and offense. Um, I feel good about the depth there. Maybe a linebacker or two, but you're not going to yeah. find somebody who in the portal at this stage that's going to be an impact linebacker um, unless they hit the portal today or while we're recording this. Those guys are all long gone. They're all at another high-profile Power 5 school. So there's really no point in doing that until you hit the next transfer portal cycle or you go and recruit some really good linebackers. Um, I think that I think that's about it because Oregon's adding so many defensive linemen coming in during the summer, some cornerbacks too. Uh, and Dalen Austin and Roderick Pleasant. So I think wide receiver, especially because there's a considerable amount of talent in the in the transfer portal right now at wide receiver, I think that's the clear upgrade that they need to go after in Zakaira Franklin and Gary Bryant Jr. Um, just, just off of the last point there, Matt, I think uh, linebacker, to Jared's point, just from a pure numbers perspective defensively, is really the only position to address. Yeah. 
but also to Jared's point, I couldn't find a single guy that made a lot of sense. You're just, yeah. So those guys are gone. Maybe something happens in the next 24 hours and somebody pops in there and they go, Oh, this is it. But I think there's also the reality of like, I don't think the linebackers look bad on Saturday. I know there's only six of them right now on scholarship, but the six they had looked awfully good. And I think you end up and, feeling kind of decent. But, and I think six is more than enough. Yeah. For two spots. Oregon had like eight last year, seven or eight last year. Uh, and it was really just Jeffrey Bossa and Noah Sewell who played. So yeah. uh, again, if you find three linebackers who can be everyday guys out there for your defense and you feel comfortable, whether whatever that combination is, I think you're fine. I, I really like, you know, Justin Flo obviously was hurt last season, but it was just Noah Sewell and Jeffrey Boss who played last year. So if you can find three guys, you're fine. Yeah, and I think you feel like Bossa, Jacobs, and Hill are probably your your three. And then Sewell is Devin Jackson. The, well, I was going to say, Jackson and then Sewell is probably like, kind of like your depth guy, and then Devin Jackson's the wild card. Like yeah. if, if he's ready yeah. to play, he makes the group really good. And then Jerry Mixon's the one that you're going to redshirt, and he's the emergency guy. If an injury or two injuries happen, he has to play. Um, that, that's probably, I think, how you would look at at this unit. Um, Devin's definitely the the wild card here. Like he could, he could have a performance like the spring game, and he could also have a couple games where he just doesn't really do anything. And if that's his role, that's perfect for for a redshirt freshman, where you're not having to ask him to be the dude right away unless he's capable of being the dude essentially yeah that's all fair matt yeah though and, and to, to jared's point you're right you're, you're you really just need like four guys you can feel comfortable throwing out there to you know and, and if and if you get a fifth in devon that's 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 icing on the cake and i think i'm including him in that group i mean i, I thought he was like maybe the biggest stock riser defensively aside from someone like cole martin who i just didn't have much feel for at all who i was like there's some kind of positive stuff yeah and that could be why guys like Harrison Taggart and Keith Brown left because it became probably pretty clear that, hey, we're really going to only play three and really four guys at that position at a game. And, you know, they're behind yeah. the six that are currently on the roster. Yeah, there's th- those guys aren't leaving for no reason. Uh, there's yeah. there's something going on, uh, whether that be with playing time, whether it be with some NIL deal. Um, but I think specifically, yeah, for linebackers, it was uh, well. Now we have they had eight linebackers in that room, and if they added Jamal Hill to the room as well, so they took a guy from being a safety and put him into being a linebacker. Uh, and I think it's pretty clear from Saturday's game who the top four are or who the top five are, uh, and those guys were not making the list. So, yeah, the, the writing was on the wall, and they decided to get out early. And you know that makes sense. Now. We've all been in agreement. Receiver could be an upgrade. There's three names to know about. Um, we feel like we know about Gary Bryant Jr., the USC transfer. I think he's deciding like May 13th. I think I think sometime, I get sometime. It's like a, it, yeah, it's in the it's in the next week or two. So. Yeah, I can't remember. It's the in the middle of May. Um, we'll, we'll get a good feeling there for where you know Oregon stands. Oregon's currently leading for Gary Bryant Jr. Um, Slot guy can can play all over. Can be in the return game. Can help Oregon. Um, they're also going to be involved with Zachary Franklin um, from UTSA. Uh, Ninety three catches this past season. Eleven hundred yards this past season. Fifteen touchdown catches. Um, that's those three areas. The the worst one is the yards, and that's eleventh best in the country. Um, he tied for second in the country in touchdown catches seventh in the country for receptions. Obviously, 
he's he's not playing a power five week in week eight, week out schedule, so that's going to factor in there a little bit. But this is a dude. You, Eric and I were at a high school event Sunday afternoon, and he talked. I think you mentioned like to me three or four times. Like I watched his videos, and he's amazing. Uh, this is like a bonafide you have to go get guy. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. If you haven't gone and watched the car, uh, Zachary Franklin's film, like, go pause this podcast and just go check out like the first couple of minutes of it. And and by the way, super productive for multiple seasons. Also had over a thousand yards and and twelve touchdowns in twenty one. Even in 2020, which was a shortened season, had 700 yards and seven touchdowns. The year before that, as a freshman, 500 yards. Like this is UTSA's all-time leading receiver in program history. Um, no, it hasn't been a Division One program for very long, but still, like that's not something to be totally ignored. I mean, the, the career yardage and just the career output is is something. And the guy's really impressive on film, to Matt's point, or at least his highlight film, um, which I spent some time watching. I watched both his senior and junior stuff, and it's he can do it all. Um, you know, he he's incredibly effective as a jump ball receiver um, despite being 6-1 he's got some wiggle to him some some speed with the ball in his hands he gets behind the defense very effectively I think he's an awesome route runner at some of the double move stuff you see to create separation on some of those longer passes so yeah this is like a you, you sign you up and I know um, again fans will be protective of their guy their Troy their, their Franklin I guess um I won't say Zakari Franklin would come in and outproduce Troy Franklin because I think that might be hyperbolic. But to this point in his career, he's at least been more productive as a collegiate receiver. And you can see why on film. You can see why, like, if this is somebody who ends up at Oregon following Will Stein over, like, this is a guy you're going to, whose name you are going to know early and often because I, I think he's not coming anywhere. He's not going anywhere not to start and play a huge role. And if he goes to Oregon, he's there to showcase himself for a season before trying to be drafted uh, early in next year's draft. This is also Franklin, the wide receiver. You you pair with Oregon's Troy Franklin. You put those two guys on the field together. The, the, it doesn't matter who who gets all the production in this instance. This is uh, an elite wide receiver in the transfer portal who would come into Oregon and make an immediate impact. You put him, if you put him on the Ducks roster today in the next ten minutes, he's the first or second best wide receiver on the roster. It's either him or the other Franklin and Troy. Yep. Um, I, I think that's. It's an absolute must-add. You don't care, like I said earlier, you don't care where he plays. You just add him. It's a no-brainer at this point. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about Gary Bryant Jr., who's a guy that Oregon has been after pretty hard after he went into the transfer portal. USC transfer, slot receiver, 5'11", 180. I'm sure that sounds pretty familiar in terms of what slot receivers look like and and play like. Um, This is a direct you know, a direct bring in to give Chris Hudson and Tess Johnson even more depth and even more competition. Um, Bryant, although, you know, I looked at his, his PFF stuff, uh, just like his, his uh, snap counts by position and he, he can play the Z receiver. So can, um, so can Chris Hudson. Uh, let's see in 2021, Gary Bryant played 692 snaps, 370 were slot 292 or 228, excuse me, were, were on the outside. So, it's not a, a, an exact 50-50 split there, but that's a guy who can do both. Yep. Um, in, in 2021, he played 10 games, 579 yards receiving, seven touchdowns, 44 receptions. Um, seven touchdowns from a slot receiver, really good. Would be would be very nice, especially on this Oregon offense, who we all saw on Saturday, where their slot receiver once again had some trouble getting into the end zone. Uh, in Chris Hudson's career, he only has two touchdowns in 
what is that? 31 games played. Um, you know, seven over two is a lot better. Uh, I think just Gary Bryant is would be a great addition to the class. I'm not sure if they would take him, though, if they landed Franklin. I think that would be an interesting debate because you have two slot receivers, and I know we've, I know everybody hates us for our Chris Hudson comments, but Chris Hudson is still a good player. He's, he's yes. going to be the second string slot receiver if they add Franklin. Uh, Treshawn Holden will be the second string Z receiver. Troy Franklin will be the first string X receiver. And Tess Johnson will be the first, first string slot receiver. That's really good. I don't think you need to add anybody else. You suddenly turn your, your depth that you're okay with to depth. You're like, Oh yeah, this is, this is good. We, we were going to be good from this. Um, and so if they add Franklin, I don't, I don't really see the need to add Gary Bryant Jr. I think it's going to be one or the other. And I would much rather have Franklin from UTSA. This was exactly what I wanted to bring up next was just, do we take two? What do you, I mean, sorry, Matt, I kind of cut you off. What do you, do you think they should take two? I just think it's, that's, that's, that's basically eating up all your scholarships on receivers. Yes. If there's one more departure and there could be like, and we don't know, and we're recording this podcast when there's still 36 hours for players names to get announced. I mean, one's already happened today. It's Cole Young. He's a, he's a walk on, but still. If, if they see another guy leave that's on scholarship, whether it be an offensive player, especially if it's, if it's a receiver, but um, if, if any player leaves, I, I think if you feel like, hey, we can go out and get Zakari Franklin and we can get Gary Bryant Jr., yes, you you automatically do that. And I would even throw in like Caleb Burton, a, a top 150 recruit from who's in mm-hmm. the portal from Ohio State. This is Will Stein's. Uh, player from high school, he coached. He coached Caleb Burton in high school. Um, I would, I would do that. Um, or like Eric, you said, Junior Adams recruited uh, Taj Davis, the receiver from Washington, who caught the game-winning touchdown against the Ducks. You know, if that guy hits the portal, and and you've got four spots to open, I, I think you take a hard look at him too. And that's the thing. There's there's so many good names here. I, you know, and, and we brought the point earlier of I think you're at an interesting point with the portal of is it you're going to take the best player available or you're just or are you looking to hit positions that you need? Because I think you could argue linebackers a position of need. I think I also agree with where we kind of landed earlier. Of like I think they're pretty set there, but there's just not a lot of bodies in there. Is my point? Like there's just not a lot of guys you would look to take at receiver. There's I think I would you could convince me that all four of those guys are guys that would be able to contribute in some capacity to Oregon this year, whether it be Franklin and Bryant, who are obvious guys who would come in and push to start or Kayla Barton or Taj Davis, who would be a capable depth pieces. Like that's, that's why this is kind of tough for these guys. I think to a certain point of you could bring in a couple, multiple receivers, but to even where Bo Nix landed and kind of where I was even after the spring game, like I came away thinking they've got four very high end, you know, division one wide receivers. Um, and then, a handful of other guys who I think could at least, you know, as a group provide you two to three more bodies of guys who could contribute. So I don't think there's like a huge issue at receiver, but to the point we've kind of made here, you look up and you go, there's a lot of guys here that could be difference makers. And I I would also say like, if you added just Franklin and Bryant to the room, those two guys are better than the high majority of players on Oregon's roster right now. Mm -hmm. And I think that maybe ends up being where you're at, where you just go, Hey, I know this guy has had a great spring and we love him, or this guy had a great 
year last year where he was starting and we love him, but we're going to bring in guys that are better and just see what happens. And, you know, it stinks for those guys. Maybe they're not going to get the, the, the run they thought they would, and that might force them out, but you're going to break a couple eggs here trying to make a, a, you know, an omelet, I guess. And, and offensively you could put together something really special if you, <clears throat> sorry, maximize some of these uh, scholarship offers at the receiver room, if that's the route they choose to go. Yeah. And I, I think that's the, the main point here. This is, Definitely a best available free agent. This is a best available draft pick. It's like if mm -hmm. you're, you know, I, I don't know, you pick an NBA team and you're picking 15th overall, there's no clear cut number one guy. So it's like, ah, oh, shoot, we don't need anybody. We're just going to take the number one guy available. And that's what you do. And that's Sakari Franklin from UTSA. I, I think that's the clear cut. I think when you get into the weeds of if they take two, I'm not exactly sure. Like I, to Matt's point, it's got to be another guy has to leave. Uh, it doesn't really matter who it is. Um, another guy's got to leave to justify using your, two of your remaining three scholarship guys on a wide receiver, um, especially if, if it's if it's Bryant. That's a guy who probably isn't starting. I would still put Tez Johnson as a starter. Like Franklin is going would, would start. Zakari Franklin would start, but Gary Bryant Jr. I'm not sure he would. It would be a real competition between him, Tez, and Chris Hudson. Um, but again, I don't know where else you'd use the the scholarships on. I don't have a clear cut. We talked about linebacker safety. You don't need it. Cornerback, you're good. You got a lot of depth there. Defensive line, a lot of depth. Offensive line again, maybe. Um, running back, absolutely not. Uh, well, uh, tight end. Tight end. It's all. It all comes back to tight end. It always does. Uh, there's a name. Do we want to talk about that name? I mean, I don't know if it's actually somebody that name out there. They'll go after Matt. You want to pronounce it? You were really excited about this one because you you, 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 nailed, you knocked out the pronunciation out of the park. You want to go ahead and take this one? You're you're muted, Matt. Did I knock it out out of the park? Or <laughs> you were you were excited you were excited about it because it's a tough name. I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean. Seju Traore? Is that mm -hmm. how you say it? Matt, yeah. I think that's about as well as any of us are going to say it on this pod. I honestly just sent it to you because that way you could be the one to say it first and embarrass yourself. Oh, thank that's you. Thanks, <laughs> thanks. Just call me Don. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Mr. Essig. Uh, yeah, Seju Traore is a player that was in the portal earlier this year. Uh, landed at Colorado and then left Colorado without playing a counting game for the Buffs. He went through spring ball and then left. Started his career at Arkansas State. Uh, he is an Englishman. He is from London uh, originally. But he's really good. In 2022, 50 catches, 655 yards, four touchdowns. Uh, that's what you want to see from this type of a player. Uh, he'll have two years of eligibility, or I think three years of eligibility. Yeah. Um, this is one where I'm kind of like, did they maybe, uh, this is maybe mean to say, but like when they took Casey Kelly, did they maybe take a guy too soon? Or was Casey Kelly a guy that, is specifically, you know, they're looking for an inline blocker and not a not a receiving guy because they've got Terrence, they've got Sadiq. Because um, this is a guy that's he's six four, like two twenty five. He's not like this massive athletic tackle, essentially. Um, but I I think you I think you you kick the tires here. You you, you got to 
He's he's good enough. He's athletic enough. Um, and Ferguson, you know, look, it's not really had any history of being injury prone, but he missed all of spring ball pretty much. And there's something there. And you want to have someone that can maybe step in and you're not relying on Kenyon Sadiq to, to do the dirty work. Yeah, and to our best player available perspective, I don't know if he's the absolute best player, but he's a very like he had a very great he had a great season last year. That's some terrible analysis. Hey, he had a very great season last year. Um, and I think the point that is interesting, and I think to where to my answer to the Kelly part is, of course, if, if Traore would have been in the portal, which I think he entered like the day after, people that would have made sense to be a name to prioritize, but. Also to Matt's point, like they aren't very similar players other than they both play the same position, right? Like just like you would talk about a receiver, you've got a, a Tess Johnson and a Treshawn Holden. Yeah, they both play receivers, but they're very different body types and very different skill sets. Same kind of thing here with Kelly and Traore. Kelly, again, inline blocker, we kind of establish it. He is your Patrick Herbert, Maliki Madaval kind of body, kind of type of player. Traore is much more of your Sadiq type of body and type of player, um, you know, the more of kind of almost a hybrid type of athlete. So, I mean, I, I think this would make a ton of sense if they just had to go this route, this would be the name to go with. I mean, to the point we mentioned earlier of like, Jared kind of asked, do they really want to use one of the three scholarship, additional scholarships on tight end? I'm not sure, but I think if they can find a way to upgrade that spot, like sign me up. And especially because I know I mentioned with Kelly, it might be a positive. He's not gonna eat up your books for a long. If Traore is an accomplished player, he could kind of step in, um, and I think we kind of threw this idea out here with Marquise um, Gums, the North Texas tight end, when he was in the portal, and I think he ultimately ended up at Arkansas. But of like, mm -hmm. you could pitch the idea of come in, Ferguson may just be one more year at Oregon, and you can be kind of, you know, the second, you know, pass catching tight end for a year, and then this job is really yours come twenty twenty four. And a player like Traore, who wouldn't even be draft eligible until um, that year, makes sense that he could use that final season to kind of maximize. Or sorry, he would be draft eligible this upcoming season, but the following year probably makes more sense. Like I, that, that could make you could pitch him on that, and I think that would add up for for both parties that there'd be some some mutual benefit. This Sedu Traore, not to be confused with Sedu Traore, a former Burkinabe football player from <laughs> Cote d'Ivoire off the coast of Africa. Um, I, yeah, I, I think you know I've been again I've been pounding the we need the Oregon needs to add a tight end door for the last couple months they finally done it with casey kelly it's just going to be hard to justify adding another tight end especially one who might be good he didn't last at colorado uh colorado i know is again it, we talked about earlier in the show is going through a lot of a lot of players right now they're, they're just going through them uh, i mean if he can't stand up to the colorado level and isn't good enough to play there is he necessarily good enough to play at Oregon? Uh, I don't know if there's a lot of options here in the portal to, to even really go after other than Traore. Um, again, I, I think it would be really good if Oregon added another tight end. But I think they need him the same way they needed Casey Kelly. They needed somebody with a pulse. They needed a guy who checked their pulse. Nope, oh, it's there. Cool, you're on the team at tight end. Here you go. Here's your jersey number, 84. Um, I think that's where they're at right now because they're just going to rely really heavily on their top three of Sadiq, Herbert, and Ferguson. And yeah, you know, hopefully Ferguson is is healthy come come football or fall football time, and I think he should be. And Herbert stays healthy for a full season, and Sadiq does well in this pass catching role. All those things would be great. Um, 
but I guess that's why you have Casey Kelly. It's it's, it's a backup option, worst case scenario. Um, and Traore might be another worst case scenario where he's the fifth guy. But then you're also kind of selling him on, hey, you're probably going to be the fifth guy. So not necessarily a good thing for him either. I, I don't know. There's just not a lot of good options. It should have been done in the winter, adding another tight end. But I digress. I guess the only thing is I don't. We don't know why he left Colorado necessarily either. Of like, if it was because we, do he not. Could, we couldn't live up to Colorado's expectations, or if Colorado didn't live up to his expectations. But your point, your point is also fair. Of do you want to take a guy who was in the portal a while ago, went to a school, and decided before he even played a game, this is a bad fit? There could be extenuating circumstances that are very much understandable, or yeah. it could be a situation where the guy's you know maybe maybe not worth the all the hassle. It's hard to know. One more name, um, or there's two more names that we should discuss. One of them's on the offensive side of the football, um, and it's someone that like we don't have direct confirmation from him that Oregon's involved, but it looks like they are, and that's uh, Nishad Strouther, uh, an offensive lineman from East Carolina, a six foot three interior lineman. He's got a lot of a lot of playing time. Uh, he has started 30 career games of 34 that he has played in. Started all 13 games last season at left guard. Um, he spent time at tackle early in his career, but now uh, started at left guard the last two seasons. And Huffman, Brandon Huffman was at this uh, high school event Eric and I were at on Sunday, and he was going to ask us a question about interior offensive linemen and you know, he's like, they don't have a lot, right? And it's kind of like we racked our brains for a second thinking, running through the names of the offensive line. It's like, yeah, like if they're going to add a, a lineman, it's going to be probably an interior guy because there's just aren't a lot of them. They have a lot of tackles, that's for sure. But interior guys, they don't. And this could be a guy that could maybe solve some of that. Yeah, they don't have proven interior guys like they maybe yes. have. Yes, yes, that's what I should say. Because I think they're body-wise, they're – Kind of okay, but I also think like if you're gonna say maybe Marcus Harper is gonna be out for a while, and Junior Angelau, you know, I think will be fine by fall because by the end of the spring he was at least in cleats running around looking okay doing that, but didn't take part in the spring game. So worst case scenario, he's had uh, you know got an issue. If you if those two guys are out of the picture, one million percent you have to go try to find somebody in my opinion. But I also think the higher higher likelihood is both those guys are available, um, you know, and so you could bring him in and suggest like Angelau does have one more year maybe between um harper and, and, a, and a couple other guys like maybe they're going to look around um but stephen jones has one more year like i guess you could say like theoretically if Angelau and jones are your starting guards like you could sell a guy on hey wait a year you could be you could fill in an after but um like i do think there could be a need in theory if there are serious injuries here but i also am like not ready to be like they got to take one of these guys. Like I think that's to me kind of like a, it, it, it's a it's back to the best player available perspective. Right. If, they, that's if, fair. He's, if he is the best possible player, makes sense. But if you're going, we need him. We absolutely need an offensive lineman in the interior. I'm not ready to say that yet, but because I just haven't seen this group fully healthy, and I think at some point all those guys are going to be available. And at that point, I think the depth will be. You'll feel a little better about it. Is my sense. Yeah, and you also you know, haven't seen them all healthy. Also, haven't seen everybody who's coming to campus. There's still a couple freshman offensive linemen who need to get here. How much are they going to do? I don't know. Probably not a lot, especially not on the actual football field for Oregon in the fall. But uh, it's more depth pieces you can add. 
I don't see the need to add another offensive lineman. I really don't. I think that Oregon's offensive line is going to be just fine unless somebody departs, and that's going to be, uh, you know, a bit of a surprise, I think, for all of us. Um, interior, like, yeah, there's probably not as many, I don't know, obvious options there, but they cross-train these guys. Positional versatility, Dan Lanning, all you guys, Alik Terry, you guys, all, all of them all play tackle. They all play guard. They all play center. I think that they could get along on the interior line if somebody goes down with an injury um, or if somebody on the outside goes down with an injury. They can slide some people over. Uh, again, like like you guys said, if this is the best dude available, sure. Other than that, hold on to the scholarship. Last name on on watch here, um, Jalen Key. Put Oregon in his top six. A UAB transfer. He's going to be a sixth year guy using his COVID year. Um, was All Conference honorable mention Conference USA this past season uh, at safety. Ranked third on the team in tackles with sixty. He had three interceptions, four and a half tackles for loss, and two forced fumbles. Um, had twelve tackles against LSU. Uh, in, in a game against them. Um, this one is an interesting one. I, I First thought, Oregon's probably not really going to be heavily pursuing him unless, like what just Jared said, this is best player available as safety. We have a spot. Let's, let's fill it. He's gone in the roster in a year. Um, just make the depth better. But they've already loaded up at safety already. Or maybe they, maybe they think he could play corner. Or maybe they could think he could play star. I don't know. But – he does have Oregon in his top six. He has Oregon in his top six with like Alabama and Mississippi and all of these southern southeastern school teams. One of I them didn't... is not like the others. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would be surprised if he ended up at Oregon, um, but they're involved. And to the point we made earlier, like if they say to themselves, like, "Hey, we we really like this kid," you know, maybe maybe there's a some history with him in terms of as a recruit, maybe. You know, six years ago when he was in high school, Dan or somebody was like, this guy's got something I'm really interested in. And now you've seen a little bit of development and you think he can fit, like maybe go get him. But to the point we've made before, there is certainly not a lack of defensive backs on this roster. Um, there is certainly not a lack of players who started games and played at a pretty high level. I know it was a position that wasn't super encouraging a year ago. Um, I thought it looked a lot better on Saturday. But maybe, maybe the staff disagrees, and maybe the staff is saying, hey, there are some improvements here, but we really are still one guy away, and he's the guy. But um, ultimately, if, if, if he ends up at Oregon, um, that's going to be one where I think we're going to have to sit long and hard and figure out where the fit is or just kind of figure out the why behind that, other than it's just this guy is a better football player than anyone else that we had available out there, and we had extra scholarships. I mean, you guys want to talk about best available player? This is it. Jalen Key is the best available player in the transfer portal. He's an absolute stud. Uh, I think there's zero chance that he goes to Oregon. I think that Oregon would accept him in a heartbeat uh, if he decides to do so. Even though he's a safety, they're going to find a way to put him on the field as often as possible. Uh, he's been tremendous for UAB the last couple of seasons. There's a reason why his top six is mostly SEC teams and then Oregon. Um, it looks like he's probably going to be at Bama, which, is gonna be, which would be the smart move for him. But uh, this this guy's this guy's a real dude. <laughs> like he's a real, really, really good safety that I, I think that Oregon would be very proud to have. Um, even though if that means moving some guy to the to the bench, and I think 
you know, uh, with Oregon State, Drew, if they added another, that'd be okay because they'd have three. T- the, their top three safeties would be really damn good. But it's not a need. It's not a pressing need. Uh, if he picks Oregon, great. Uh, I don't expect them to. But this is him and Zachariah Franklin are probably like the the two guys, the top two guys in the transport right now. I think the fact that he's just a one-year guy is has all the big schools after him because he's only had – like Jared said, he was really good in 2022, really, really good. But he's only had one good year um, in, in college ball. He played like in 10 games and 2021 had just six tackles. And then 2020, he played in seven games and he had just nine total tackles. Like he, he played in all 14 games as a freshman in 2019 with three tack, total tackles. So uh, this is like the perfect type of portal ad, I think. This is what I was talking about earlier in the show where Trey John Williams is going to be gone. Okay. Like his mid pact in, in 2023 was probably going to be very, 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 very minimal. If you can go out and you can find a senior transfer that, that, can fill that slot and can and can play and can make an impact and then it's gone in a year and then you flip that scholarship over and you bring in a five star or a top 100 caliber kid from the high school ranks now all of a sudden you got more production in 2023 than you did that you were going to get out of trade john and then you get a, a younger guy a more talented guy in the following year you kind of restart that cycle all over again this would be like jared said if, if he wants to come to oregon you take him in a heartbeat all right, that's going to do it for us on today's show, the Odds and Models podcast. Thank you for listening. Go to DuckTerritory.com for more coverage, transfer portal, spring game recap, recruiting recap, uh, previews ahead of the offseason. We're in offseason mode now. Um, so go to DuckTerritory.com for more of that. And until the next one, you've been listening to the Odds and Models podcast. Talk to you later, folks. Peace.